Hey everyone, this is the Golf Science Lab podcast. My name is Cordy Walker. I'm your host for this show. And uh, no, we don't actually have a new episode this week. We will be back next week with podcasts with Hal Sutton. You're not going to miss, which kicks off a new series for us. But this week, we're excited to launch a totally new podcast, a separate show. It's called The Tour Coach, and it's with Tony Ruggiero. Been working with him on this uh, for a while now, and really excited to, to launch it out. The, the kind of premise here is that it's behind the scenes of golf instruction on tour. So Tony is going to be talking with his players that he works with on a regular basis. He's going to be talking with other coaches that he's out at tournaments with. He's going to be talking with the people that he uses as resources and um, people to bounce ideas off of uh, and really try to take us into this world of golf instruction on tour. I'm really excited about this concept. Uh, it was great episodes already recorded that we're working on producing for you all. Uh, so here's the deal. Make sure to go subscribe to the podcast because it's totally separate. So go search Tour Coach or search Tony Ruggiero and that'll pop up. We have an awesome giveaway going on. You can win a new driver if you uh, put a review for that new podcast up and then email it to us, a screenshot of it. So you got that going on. Uh, it's just amazing. So I wanted to let you know about that. And then we are just going to roll right now uh, the latest episode of that. There are three new episodes. This is with Lucas Glover. I'm sure you know who that is. So no introduction needed. We'll just roll right into this episode. Go subscribe to that. Thank you, Tony. This has been so much fun to work with you on this project. Uh, and we look forward to sharing quite a few of these episodes with you all. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero, the Dew Sweeper. You're about to listen to an episode of The Tour Coach, which is going to give you an inside look at coaching golf at the very highest level from on the PGA Tour with my guys all the way to here at Mobile, Alabama in the Dew Sweeper Dome as we help folks of all skill levels, all walks of life, learn to achieve their golfing goals. So this edition of The Coach is an interview that I did with one of my players, Lucas Glover, who's had tremendous successes in his career. He's a major winner, won the U.S. Open in 2009. I've worked with Lucas for two and a half years, a little over two and a half years or so. We've worked really hard. And I think you'll hear when you listen to this that uh, one of the cool things or one of the things I enjoy about what I do is the guys that I work with truly become I mean, they become some of my best friends and closest friends. We travel together so much. We spend so much time together. They become like family. And we share all the ups and all the downs together. And over the past two and a half years, you know, we've seen a nice resurgence in Lucas's game. There's certainly been some bright spots, and there's certainly been some times we didn't play as good as we would like. But I think we have a good, clear picture of where we're going. And I think, you know, Lucas has been refreshing. It's been fun to involve him with the nurturing and the coaching and the help for my younger players that are making their way from mini tour golf to web.com tour golf to the PGA tour as rookies and be able to have somebody that's had success and that has seen all sides of that from winning a major to going back to web finals to, you know, winning two other tour events to having four top 10 in uh, nine events this year, playing great golf so it's a great outlook, and uh, I truly value his perspective and his friendship. And I think that uh, of the ones that we've we've recorded so far, I think this is 
some really cool stuff because uh, just like I value the relationships and the friendships of the guys that I coach and teach, and I try to learn from each one of them, and I'd probably learn way more from them than they do from me, had the opportunity to do something, which I've done at times, but did more so here, which was pick his brain about his first golf coach, Dick Harmon. And there's no doubt you can hear the love, the affection, the respect, and the care that he had for Dick. And obviously Dick passed away, and but it's cool to listen to him talk about Dick and the effect that he had on his golf career and his life and his development. And, you know, it reminds me of, of why I do the things I do. And I hope that at some point, somebody speaks of me, a student speaks of me as fondly as he speaks of Dick and, and you can see the emotion and you can see the care. And and that's why we do what we do or why I do what I do. So I think you'll enjoy this edition of the coach as I sat down players week on a Tuesday night in a hotel room and uh, after dinner, and I had a couple glasses of wine and we sat down and taped this podcast with Lucas Glover, your 2009 U S open winner and uh, having a resurgence this year, playing some fantastic golf And I'm excited about the work he's done, excited about the things that I'm learning from him and that we're doing together and the things he's been able to show my my younger players as well. So now, Lucas Glover. Also, we're doing an awesome giveaway to kick off the podcast. You're going to get the chance to win a new Shrixon driver. If you were lucky enough to hang out and play with me, you'd see that I've got this new sucker in the bag. I've got a 95785 Shrixon driver with a hazardous shaft. It is amazing. It, all of the numbers, it was Shrixon for years, but this is the first driver I ever remember from Shrixon or Cleveland Golf that when we put it on the track man or on the quad, that the numbers against every other leading driver out there are better than any of the competition. It's unbelievable, and I just I love it. Couldn't speak more highly of it. We fit lots of good young players, lots of good amateur players. Put them in. You know, I always tell people I'm going to put you in what you play the best because that's how I get paid. Whether you're a professional player or whether you're a junior player, I mean, you playing well is how I get my notoriety, how I generate my revenue, and and how I've built my reputation. And I wouldn't put a Shrixon driver in somebody's bag if it wasn't the best. And we're putting a lot of them in folks' bags. So go ahead and uh, enter for a chance to win this driver. Here's how you do it. You subscribe to the podcast in the Apple Podcasts. You listen to the show. Leave a review of the show. Screenshot your review. And then email that screenshot to hey at golfsciencelab.com. That's hey at golfsciencelab.com. And if you want special bonus entries, share out on social media you're listening and we'll increase your chance of winning. Don't miss out on this as you only have our first three weeks to enter and win this. It's a great chance to get a great driver. Plus, I think you're going to love the stuff that Cordy and I have put together for you coming out that's going to give you an inside the world of golf look at what it's like to be a coach at the highest level with PGA Tour players as well as developing junior players, what it's like on the road as well as here in the Dome in Mobile, Alabama. So don't miss this opportunity for the first three weeks to win the brand new Shrixon 785 driver. All right, let's get to this episode. So sitting here, Players Championship, Lucas Glover, as Breen would say, he's my best player. <laughs> Got to throw that in for Breen. Right. But anyways, worked together a little over two and a half years. So what I wanted to talk with you about was one of the things that you've told me a bunch of stories about, which I've been kind of intrigued, is about your early teaching, your early education in golf. 
about how your grandfather and you work with Dick Hartman. I think sure. that's a good story. Yeah, no. Yeah, growing up, my grandfather taught me until I was uh, nine or ten, and I think he realized that uh, he was kind of at the end of his <laughs> expertise, and I was a little past where what he could help me with or, or not help me with. And uh, so we bounced around town, Greenville, South Carolina, worked with a few different club pros there, uh, Wayne Myers and and Mike Callum, two great guys. And it got to the point where it was, I was about 12, and my grandfather said, I think, I think we need to go see somebody uh, that could potentially really take you to the next level, which was... So you about 12, 13? Yeah, I was 12, I remember. Okay. I remember definitely being 12 and pretty good forethought by my grandfather. And uh, we were fortunate to have a, a good sounding board in town, Jay Haas. And my grandfather went to Jay and goes, you got my grandson, Lucas, who who you, you know and seen around the course and this, that, and the other. And can you give me some advice? Who do I take him to if I want him to to really get better? And at the time... The two best teachers on tour were David Ledbetter and, uh, and and Dick Harmon. And so Jay advised my grandfather to take me to both and see what fit and see what we liked and didn't like and critique and this and that. And so we we got in with, with, with Dick first and, uh, and just fell in love with him mm-hmm. and fell in love with how he treated me and how he taught and his patience and you, you got to have patience for a 12 year old kid. Cause you got about 22 seconds of <laughs> attention and, uh, and it, nothing, nothing against, uh, against David Ledbetter. I, I saw David last week at Bay Hill and had a chat and he was great as always, but we never, we never even got went, a chance. never even got a chance to see David. We just fell in love with, with Dick and, and the staff at river Oaks and, and how he, how he took care of us and and, Was Dick and brought skeptical me. at all about a twelve year old coming to see him. I don't think so because I think similar to what what you do at the Country Club of Mobile is a solid junior program and and at the time Dick was at River Oaks in Houston and huge junior program yeah. that 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 he ran and took care of and and I think I think the glue at first was his relationship with my grandfather and I I think my <laughs> grandfather really reminded Dick of of his father old school just blue collar and kind of made made themselves and the relationship those two had and the mutual respect those two had i think really set the relationship in stone and um my grandfather until until i was through college every time i'd go to houston to see dick he would go with me (laughs) and those two were they were thick as thieves and telling stories and and Dick Harmon could get my grandfather, who was also named Dick, he could get him talking about stuff from from his athletic days at Clemson and with the Steelers and and that some stories that I'd never heard. And and Dick Harmon had this way of of drawing those things out of, of my grandfather, Dick Henley. And so it was eye opening for me too, and really cool to actually hear my grandfather, who was a very private person with his past talk about his life in in sport and business and and i remember dick Harmon. he would anybody that he introduced my grandfather to at river oaks he would say no mr henley tell tell him your story tell him how you got started and <laughs> and uh and my grandfather was sheepish at first but but he did he got his start in his business cleaning toilets around textile mills around greenville south carolina and and uh 
for the ease of the conversation, I'll call him Mr. Henley and Mr. Harmon. Mr. Harmon thought that was the the coolest thing, just this self-made man from, from the South. And, and uh, that relationship that they fostered really made me appreciate what I had with both of them because it was uh it was like two father grandfather figures Mm -hmm. for my golf and for my life not taken away from anything from from my father but uh just seeing that was 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 awesome and the mutual respect they had and at the end of the day their their biggest goal was to make me better and instill a certain work ethic in me and looking back on it now 14 years after after Dick Harmon passed, I think he did all that to make me understand how hard my grandfather worked. And even though he was a hard worker with his athletics, when that went away, his work ethic and his drive to be a great businessman, which he ended up being, I think looking back on it, as I've matured, it was his way of making me understand that no matter what walk of life you choose, you got to work hard at. And that was really, that was really cool for me to hear and more interesting now as I've gotten older to understand that people are driven by certain things and for certain things. And I really do think that was his way of getting me to understand what it took to succeed. So I've been, as you know, I'm telling you stuff you already know, but been out to see Butch hang out for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously been around you a lot over a few years. And it's interesting when I when I listen to you talk about Dick, and then when I was out there and I spent a couple of days with Butch just hanging out, and you got him talking about Dick, mm-hmm. you could tell, obviously, but there's lots of brothers. Mm-hmm. But brothers don't always feel that way or yeah. talk that way about, you yeah, know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, and... You could tell there was a special. I mean, he, in fact, he said the Lord took the wrong Harmon. That's yeah. exactly what. So, what what was so special about Dick as a teacher for you? I mean, obviously the work ethic, and from a, my perspective as a teacher, there isn't anybody I've been around that works harder than you. And I mean, that's just how you are. I mean, it's it's inbred. Yeah. Well, yeah, it is. And you know, I'm I'm 39, 40 this year, and 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 grew up still in that kind of tough love generation because of parents grandparents that's all they knew and Mm -hmm. if you're not if you're not out working everybody you're you're falling behind this that and the other but dick Harmon was special with his way of relating things and the way he could relate to me dealing with golf instructors (laughs) and players it's always hard to tell someone how it should feel because it's not your hands. It's not your golf club. It's not your body. It's not your brain. He had this innate ability to relate emotion to how it should feel to me, which is a very difficult thing to do. Maybe a little simpler for him as a good player growing up and even into, into older age, he was still a great player and could, could pretty much hit it every shot and still to this day the best bunker player I've ever seen. But this innate ability to to say how something should feel to me, which is which is a talent I don't think everybody has. No. And I I would do my work with him 
and then he'd have other juniors come in or other members of the club or whatever. And I would just, you know, sit and rest or listen and whatnot. And he could do it with them too. And so it was just one of those, I mean, he was a special talent as a, as a golf teacher and as a, as a golf instructor, he could, he could explain to somebody how it should feel, which is, which is very weird. Mm -hmm. And it will even sound weirder now because a lot of the things that we use now is complete science and it basically tells us how it should feel. He could do that from watching one or two videos and then express it in a way that you could say, oh, okay, all right, yeah, all right. And there was never any searching, like, well, maybe this way or that way's right. It was always, well, all right, we're trying to knock some curve off of this, so let's, let's you know, maybe feel like the hands stay a little lower at impact and it might not hook as much. And it was, you know, you don't think about those things until later and now i hear people all the time giving that lesson mm-hmm. on the driving range on tour and this was you know 20 years ago 30, 25 years ago and and without track man and without the super duper cameras i mean he was into the technology and into the tell about that that's pretty because you've told me about him having oh, all yeah. the technology no, he, he was but you don't think of the Harmons having a ton of technology no, well his. well they didn't they didn't need it but dick was the one that always learned how to work everything first <laughs> you know, he, he had an, he had a MP3 player before most teenagers did, and he knew how to get songs on there and knew how to load them and loved gadgets and loved technology. And, um, you know, I, I remember Butch calling him saying, Hey, you know, this super software we all got on these computers, I don't even understand it. And, and Dick, Dick had the know-how to, to uh to work it all and he he took the time to understand it and learn it and i think it was probably because he didn't sleep well and he sat up from <laughs> you know four o'clock in the morning to seven and figured all this stuff out but um yeah he was definitely a, a gadget guy but yeah he had the he was one of the first people i knew that had the the teaching center with the hitting bay and the cameras and and all that but didn't need it he used it as a as an asset because it helped him mm-hmm. and in turn helped his students and me but yeah he had uh he had every gadget when it first came out and knew how to work it all. And, and that was pretty cool. You know, he would, if he was with us today, he, he'd have all the iPads and, and iPhones and the gadgets and the wireless headphones and teaching all the kids how to use them. Track man. Oh yeah. No, he'd be all over that. He'd be all over that. And he would, he wouldn't have to have it, but he'd know how to use it. Right. And learn how to use it and because it could better him as an instructor and, and in turn better as his members or better as tour players or better as juniors or, or what have you. So, um, that was always cool to see. Cause it, every time I went out to see him in Houston, he'd always have something new to show me, whether it was for golf or playing music or, you know, some crazy new wine opener or whatever <laughs> it could be. He, he, he had it all and knew how to use it. And, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was always interesting to me because my grandfather, all he knew how to use was the remote to get the Braves on. So, so your grandfather wasn't very inclined with technology. No, I remember, I remember a few years before, uh, a few years before he passed trying to teach him how to work the PGA tour.com so he could follow my rounds. <laughs> and my father's a, pretty uh pretty savvy guy on the computer and i think between us we spent about four hours with him and we could get into the tour app so he could follow me but he couldn't google anything so uh (laughs) yeah it was just uh you know that that age and that uh that time of life he just he didn't care all he wanted to do was watch uh watch shot link and if he wanted to know something he'd he'd look it up in the encyclopedia he didn't care about google (laughs) so 
obviously, so Dick Dick obviously unfortunately passed, and mm-hmm. you, but you had you had success for sure after yeah. working with Mike Taylor, won a U.S. Open, lots of success, and then I mean you obviously had a period of time where you didn't, and and so you know one of the things that we've done whatever two and a half years ago or so we started working and hanging out. I mean I think it, a lot of it's hanging out too, sure. but is to me one of the things I liked was hearing those old stories about Dick because I try I wanted to get you back to doing the stuff you used to do when you were young. And I mean I think that's one been one of the cool things is like you know how much I enjoy those stories as mm-hmm. much as the time we stand or walking on the golf course. And to me I feel like we're getting you back to doing a lot of the things you used to do Maybe not said the same way. Sure. Obviously, I'm not Dick Harmon, and I'd never claim to be. But, like, we're trying to get you back to do a lot of the things you used to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, first lesson we had was all about setup, you know, a couple years back. And And aim. (laughs) Yeah, well, set up and aim. And, you know, I was wondering why I couldn't hit the shot I saw. And you said, well, because you're aiming way over there and trying to start it way on the other side and expecting this, and it's not going to happen. And I went, oh, that's important. Oh yeah, that's right. But uh, and that was always the that was always a big thing with with Dick when we when we started with a lesson was check the aim, check the ball position, and check the grip. And it's still no matter how good you are or, or a beginner or trying to improve or trying to break a hundred for the first time, that's really all it comes down to: setup, alignment, and your grip. And after that, you know, track man can say whatever, but if those three things aren't pretty good or consistent. Trackman's going to say bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's one of the things I've liked so much about what we've done is it's been very, very, very basic for 2017, 18, and 19. And I'm not saying that as a negative. It's a big positive for me because if I'm looking up and pointed where I'm supposed to be pointed, ball's in the right spot in my stance, and my grip's where it needs to be, then all i got to do is do what I've trained my whole life to do, which is take the club back, rotate through it, and hit a draw. Mm -hmm. And that's all we want to do. And, you know, we can hit the other shots when we have to, but your bread and butter is your bread and butter. And I got away from that a little bit, trying to be too perfect with my downswing and this, that, and the other. And we've done great things with that, but it all starts on the ground. And that, that, that meaning where your feet are pointed, where the club face is pointed, and where the ball is in your stance. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you're looking to see more of a visual side of this podcast, videos of me working with players, there's tips, strategies, all that good stuff that you'd like for an inside-the-ropes, behind-the-scenes look at life on the PGA Tour or teaching and developing some of the best players around the country, head over to golfsciencelab.com backslash Tony and check out the content there. There's tons of good stuff out there. There's more good stuff coming, but uh, hopefully you enjoy it. So people like always ask, like, you know, heck, you had gas man Ron Jordan down to play golf with you, yeah. right? And, you know, he comes back and he's, he's you know, from the country club. And he's like, well, what do you work on with Lucas? And, I, and this was about the time where we strengthened your grip. Yeah. Or you sent me, you said, hey, go look up, what was it, 2009. Yeah. You go look up 2009 and then pull up your last video. And I pulled him up and it was actually one of the first times I guessed right on the first time, <laughs> right? But, like, you know. Most, but like when I told Gas Man that, they were astonished that a guy that plays the tour when you were focusing on grip. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that, like, I don't think people get, like, how much we focus on and pay attention to those details that are the things you can control before you ever start moving and the ball goes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, what, three weeks ago, I felt like I was making some really good swings at it, and the ball was kind of going up and hanging right, and I started thinking, all right, these are solid. I know I'm aimed right. I know my ball position's good. Why isn't this thing turning over? And I, before I asked you that, I went back and looked at a, a picture of myself, and to make sure I wasn't crazy, I asked you to do the same thing. And you said, yeah, your your left hand's a little weaker now than it was, you know, 10 years ago, eight years ago, and when you – when your bread and butter was a tight draw. And so we strengthened it a little bit. Just and a little bit, not a lot. A, no, just a, you know, one knuckle over. And, um, yeah, no, it's interesting. Like, I mean, here we are, what, Tuesday night players championship and all day today, you and I were together from seven thirty to, to noon today working. And it was alignment because mm-hmm. last week I felt like some of my tee shots were even though I had a great week, I felt like some of my tee shots were a little wipey. And for me, that comes from aiming a little too far right and having to try to pull it online. And uh, I wipe them just because of that. That's what happens when I aim right. Anyway, uh, everybody's a little different. But we spent we spent the majority of the day working on our alignment. And that's okay with me because I know if I get lined up correctly that, you know, I'm 39. My golf swing ain't going to change that much anymore. Yeah. And if I'm lined up well, I can do what I'm supposed to do and hit the shot I'm supposed to hit. But the basics are still the basics and alignment, ball position, grip. That's what we all go back to. I don't care how many guys have track man behind them and reading those numbers. If those three things aren't where they need to be, it doesn't matter. And that's what I like so much about what we've done. And what's been so refreshing is it's been very basic and literally from the ground up. From where my feet are pointing and where the ball is on the ground in my stance. And then this is the first time we've actually had to fiddle with my grip any. But, I mean, those three basics are are the basis of good golf. And for a lot of people, the basis of great golf. I mean, we're, we've all hit so many balls and practiced so much to get where we are. It's not going to change that much. But if those one or two or all three of those things are off, you know, you're fighting an uphill battle because you're going to have to make goofy changes in your swing to accommodate for poorly aligned shot or a ball too far up or back in your stance or a bad grip. Well, we've talked, obviously, you know, you get aimed right. And, you know, you could put you on all those 3D things and it would show you that if you're aimed right, your sequence out of the top isn't correct, Mm -hmm. right? And people say that stuff. But when we aim you correctly, you do it without us having you having to think about that and i think that's the i think that's kind of the art of teaching that's the art of work you're a unique player because you're such a great athlete and you've hit a lot of balls and you've played great golf but like i mean and i can say to you hey the hips got to go first or they got to go a little faster but like it it doesn't you know got guys that it gets more complicated than that but like it doesn't get more technical than that it really doesn't no and i'm i'm fortunate in that regard because if i look up and my feet are, if I if my feet are pointed in the right direction and I look up and I'm and I'm parallel to my target or parallel to the club face with my feet or, or whatever and it's at the target, I can for the most part swing as hard as I want and I know one way it's not going and that's mm-hmm. left. And oddly enough, silly game of opposites, the further I aim left, the less likely I am to hit it left. Because mm-hmm. then I can rotate through it and my body releases the club instead of my hands. 
which is a very, very, very free feeling on the golf course to aim it down the left side and start it down the right side and hit draws. And that was one going, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, that was one of the things that, that Dick Harmon was big on. Let's take one side of the golf course out of play. Mm-hmm. And to do that, we, you know, we aim it down the left center or we aim it in the left center of the green and, and we, you know, we rotate through it and let our body rotate the club, not our hands. And the left side of the golf course is basically out of play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, I remember watching David Duvall at the height of his, his career and he was a fader, whereas I'm a drawer, but I remember Dick Harmon in the locker room, uh, at Redstone when he was there, we were watching it and we watched it for two or three days in a row for an hour or so over lunch. And David never, ever, ever missed a shot left. And that was because of his rotation and because of his aim and because he knew he could go as hard as he could. And a little bit was it, a little bit of it was his little shot at the top and he had to rotate so fast, but he knew he could aim as far left as he wanted and it was never going over there. It's a great lesson for anybody coming up trying to be good. Is to figure out what they have to do, whether they're shut or whatever, eliminate one side. Yeah, yeah. And if you eliminate one miss, you know, a two-way miss is the scariest thing in the world for a pro. But if you know for sure it's not going one way or the other, you can, on your off days or your average days, you can account for it and and get it around. It's that scary two-way one when your alignment gets off and then your body gets off and you got it coming out of both barrels, as we like to say. But... um, but, but, you know, going back to what we've worked on and what I've worked on since I was 12, if, if, if my alignment's good and, and, a, and not necessarily open, but at the target Square. or even a fraction left of it, I can go as hard as I want and it's going to start right of the target. The left side of the golf course is gone, and which is, which is a good feeling. I think I'm somewhere in the 70 to 75% right, right rough miss so far mm-hmm. this season, which mm-hmm. is, which is a comforting thing for me. When we started, your misses were pulls. Yes. Right. And, yes. and that was the big deal. I remember when you stood on the tee down there at Bay Point and you said, Hey, I don't, I mean, I just, I'm tired of hitting pulls yeah. or tired of missing it left. Right. And then, you know, and we put the rope out and got you aimed. I remember how you looked like you're like, shit, this is, <laughs> yeah. this is square. Yeah. Yeah. I was hitting balls in the water on the range. Literally. There's a, creek down the right side mm-hmm. of bay point from the back of the range and you told me i was aimed in the middle of the range and i felt like i was 40 yards right reality <laughs> was i was actually correct but uh no you can't you can't overstate it enough i mean you see you go up and down the range here this week at players championship or in a month at augusta or or wherever you are and pretty much every tour player especially monday tuesday wednesday is going to have something on the ground mm-hmm. to help them with their alignment if not, two things on the ground, one for alignment and one for ball position. And that's that's virtually to a man. And and everybody knows where their ball position is. You know, yours is back further than a guy that yeah. a lot of folks I might teach or whatever, but like you know where it needs to be. Yeah. I mean I want to hit under under the gun, I want to hit trap draws. Mm-hmm. Trap push draws. And for me, I'm probably a ball, ball and a half back than the average guy that hits a straight shot or a fade or a, or a high draw. But, um, but I know that. And that's just me. And that's the other great thing about golf is everybody's different. And that's the other thing, great thing about great instructors is they understand that everybody's different. Everybody's got a different body type. Everybody's got different, different makeup. Everybody's flexible in different spots. Everybody's just different. And that's the coolest thing about our game. 
but also the most challenging thing for an instructor and you know what you guys do with with members to tour players coming in and out of your teaching facilities or in and out of your spot on the range on tours you got to refocus all right what's this guy's strengths what's this guy's weaknesses where is he flexible is he tall is he short where's his ball position i mean all that stuff to me is remarkable what you guys do day in and day out but it all goes back to the ground and the fundamentals and the science can't can't tell you or teach you that that's just working at it and understanding yourself it was interesting a couple of weeks ago uh, it was a sunday before honda so we worked because you were going to play Jack's Pro-Am. And so Sunday, and then Luke Guthrie came down because he's going to play. And so Luke has played on tour, had some success and struggled, but now he's getting better. And one of the cool things I think is you, you're you always willing to pitch in and help my younger guys. And, and Luke would be a good example of that. I mean, heck, Luke, if that thing starts curving left, I mean, he goes into a tizzy. Yeah. I mean, he, he freaks out. But, you know, you had two guys hitting. I mean, you couldn't have two guys on the range next to each other hitting more opposite shape shots than you two next to each other but all three of us were working and trying to help each other and it was i mean that to me was a pretty fun day yeah absolutely and you know a guy like luke who has been out here and had some i mean tremendous success for years and you know had fought fell on some hard times with his ball striking lost his confidence and you got somebody like you that's going to be very basic with him and make sure the, the fundamentals are right but we're hitting you know complete two different shot shapes and you got to bounce back and forth <laughs> and you know you know a challenge for you but yeah I, I i do i have so much fun with with guys like that and you see things i see things different and, and we share them I yeah mean, you, yeah you show me the his feet yeah for right? sure and, yeah. and like i think that's kind of cool because like yeah. you don't mind like filming something you snuck in there and filmed it i saw you doing it you yeah. showed it to me or whatever and I, I think that's a cool thing like i'm not heck i'm not Hell, I'm not too proud to ask you for advice on something. Yeah. And you've done that with that Tom, Sep, all these guys yeah, that yeah. have come through. And I think it's a good – I mean, you've been out there a long time, and shit, there's no reason we shouldn't share ideas. Well, let's be fair. Sep's easy for me because he hits the same shot as me. But, he is pretty <laughs> – <yeah>. But um, <laughs> He just wants it to draw. Yeah. But, no, Luke was – Luke was – you know, he was trying to hit – he was trying to hit fades and getting on the outside of his right foot going back. And it, it it's hard to stay centered from there and, and, and really rotate through. And he, he was just swaying a little back and forth. And, you know, it's hard to have a, a consistent, especially kind of a the down hit he wanted and still have it kind of pinch and cut mm-hmm. out there, which he does so so beautifully when it's on. And But uh, I just I just spotted something that, that you weren't watching. And, you know, it's it, it was cool to be able to help him and see the results immediately. And he – he played great the next day in the in the Monday. Didn't didn't get in, but you know what? He shoot four under. That's nothing to no, nothing exactly. nothing to uh, nothing to be ashamed of. But and two, it's cool that that guys listen. And you know, there's not everybody does. Not everybody does. But interesting to see the the guys that do and appreciate it and then work on it. And but again, you know, for him, there it was again, right on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And and what's funny is so go back a week last weekend, I had Scott Lynn, who's a biomechanist, mm-hmm. mechanist, however you want to say, come in and we put him on the swing catalyst. You've been on it. We've done all that stuff. And I purposely didn't tell him what I'd said to him or what you'd said to him. Just mm-hmm. let him analyze it. 
first thing he says is he watches and he goes, well, he's, he's got to stay on the inside of his right foot. He gets on the outside of his right foot. He doesn't have any leverage to go forward. Right. Which, again, is like, you know, we joke about the science stuff, but, like, all that science stuff is the same basic stuff that we're saying. Just, yeah, to me, said way we can understand. Well, it just confirms it. And I think that's what's so refreshing with how you do it. And I see this would be how a Dick Harmon would do it, or I see this would, is how Butch does it, is, all right, I see what I see, and I'm going to tell my player, whether it's a member at the club, the ladies' club champ that's trying to repeat, or a tour player, all right, here's what I see, and now I'm going to put it on the swing catalyst or the track man or the flight scope or whatever our science is and prove that to make sure I'm teaching the right, the right thing the right way. And I think that's the right way to go about it. It's when things get the other way. All right, Trackman says this, so how do I go from there? That I think things, for me especially, things get a little scrambled. No, I um, but the reliability on that stuff is, is a little intense for my liking. Some guys, that's, that's what they do, and that's fine. And there's a heck of a lot of great players that do that. But... Having somebody or yourself feeling it or seeing it and then confirming it with science is 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 how I would do it and how I'd prefer to do it. Because we've used that stuff a little more than I probably admit yeah. to the public. And uh, Well, you don't like to admit that you actually know how to use it. No, that's true. Uh, that's why I always have Jackson or Eric turn it on. <laughs> I'm afraid <laughs> if they know I know how to use it, yeah. I actually have to turn it on. So I grew up learning to teach under people like Dick Harmon, old school guys that didn't need that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I always think that I, I walk and I watch folks and I think there's people that couldn't help you without having a track man or yeah. a swing catalyst. And yet the only time we've ever used any of that's been when you come to my building or we brought it down to the Bears Club one time. But like we never bring that stuff out at a tour event. No. No, no, I don't want to see that on a Tuesday or Wednesday before an event. I want to do that a week, pr a week prior when, when I come see you or when you come see me at home and and we can, you know, get down to the nuts and bolts of it. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I just, you know, I remember, you know, our, it seems like our theme has been what what would Dick Harmon say? Mm -hmm. I, I just, I remember him saying, well, if it's good enough for Ben Hogan, it ought to be good enough for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and. And that, that I kind of think if it's good enough, Dick Harmon would tell you, I'll yeah. just keep my mouth shut yeah. and let you do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, he said that because, you know, the the great swingers of the club and the great players, it's the consistencies in their swings and in their games are, are pretty similar. You know, they aimed correctly a lot for their shot shape, and they paid fine attention to that, and they worked really hard. You know, there's there's not this magic formula. It's it's kind of that you work really you, hard. Well, you master the basics, and then you work really hard at it. And um, you could probably say that for any sport or any line of work or any business or anything. You you master the basics, and then you work really hard at continuing to to have them mastered. And I think that's the consistency you see on tour. Guys that are fundamentally sound are really, really good a lot. And all of our swings are different. I mean, you look at our top 
five, eight, ten players in the world right now. I mean, all totally different. All total. Well, all totally different. And I'm not sure you'd put more than more than one or two of them up and say this is how you want to swing the club. You would. Wouldn't and, teach anybody this. And well, and maybe, maybe uh, well, a little bit. The parts of them, but you know, just what what you see is talent, and what you see is hard work, and what you see is fundamentally sound. Because if you know Dustin Johnson swings the way he swings, which nobody can teach because nobody's a, as a freak of an athlete as that guy is, but if he's not lined up well and his ball position isn't where it needs to be, he's going to be off. And conversely, Justin Rose, you take him, and I would say he's got the, you know, on paper, the purest swing in the game right, right it's, now. Yes. It's, it's you know, from you put that on a sing, swing sequence, and, buddy, you put that in every teaching building in the world right now. Exactly. But same thing. If he's not, if he's not lined up well and his ball position's off, he's not going to hit good shots. Right. But anyway, and I keep, he has the same rehearsal mm-hmm. that he does every time. He's been mm-hmm. doing it for a while, him and yeah. Foley, right? Yeah. And he tries to hit that shot. And, and yeah. you know, and you were talking about, you mentioned DJ. Like, I think that's one of the beauties of what Butch did. I mean, he's bowed at the top. I mean, there probably have been a lot of people who would have screwed him up and tried to change him. Well, yeah. But what, what Butch and Claude did was they said, all right, man, you hit it 340 whenever <laughs> you want. You're the, probably the best combined driver of the ball in history for length and and straight and you know and and brooks too and they got it they got it through to dj that let's just get your wedge game good so what's he do now 45 minutes every day before he plays or when he's practicing he hits wedges distance control on track man and look at him i mean he's he's one two or three in the world for the last five years just because he's He's taken his talents and honed in on something that he could really improve, and they pinpointed it, and he works on it really hard. And next thing you know, he's a great wedge player, and he's winning about well, I don't know five times a year, and crazy talented. But he still works on what makes him better, and he still has to double check his fundamentals, even though his golf swing isn't. He what? still has sticks down on the ground. I, mean, I, Absol- saw, him, I, I saw him Absolutely. out there today. Yeah, sticks, stick, stuff. Yeah. you know, sticks on the ground or a club on the ground, lining up and making sure when he looks up, he's, you know, he's looking where he wants to look, and that's that's to a man out here, and you can't say it to the to the high handicap public enough. If you want to improve, improve your alignment, make sure your grip's good, and and by all means, have golf clubs that uh, that fit you, and then take one more club because. Most people don't know. Everybody hits it short, even tour players. So, anyway. And, you know, and then kind of as we wrap it up, like I remember I asked Colby this, Colby and I, Colby Touye, who you work out with, we were talking about this. And I said, you know, you got he's got you, he's got a bunch of the best players in the world coming in that same gym. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you see those, and you see a bunch of guys on tour that don't have the success. What's the difference? And he said, I mean, how hard they work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think everybody that gets to a certain level, super talented, obviously has the game. You guys, I mean, you couldn't get a tour card without being talented and a good player. Yeah. And nowadays, I mean, you look at it, and I, I see it when I've gone in Colby's gym, and you see it too, especially like if you go to Bears Club with you, and you just stand on that range, and sometimes I'll sit and I'll just watch all the guys practice. Yeah. There's no secret 
Well, I mean, you see guys that have just played really good day or two before, and they're out there grinding and practicing on their short game all day or whatever. Yeah. I mean, there's no secret why they're really good. Yeah, no, no, there's not. You know, there's there's guys that like to like to hit a lot of balls and, and work out some. There's guys that don't like to hit a lot of balls and work out a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before I started working with Colby, followed him on social media, and the day after JT, Justin Thomas won the FedEx Cup, he was in the gym the next day. Impressive. Yeah, you think? Yeah. And Colby put it on social media as kind of motivation to the rest of his guys. Hey, look, y'all. Yeah. This guy just won the FedEx Cup yesterday, and he's in here today working. And that was cool to me. And that that was before I even worked with Colby. And I said, well, if this guy gets it, this is kind of something I want to be a part of. But, right. but yeah, you know, I see, you know, Dustin, Dustin doesn't, uh, he saves himself for, for, for play weeks. He doesn't hit a ton of balls, but he's in the gym every day. Right. He's working at something, and Kepka works out a ton. Kepka work, Brooks works out a ton, and he likes and, and he likes to play. Mm-hmm. If he's going to the golf course, he wants to play. He'll go up and hit a few hit a few balls of Claude and and check his stuff out and make sure he's doing the right stuff. But but if he's going out there, he'd rather play. And but he's in the gym all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you got guys that like to do both, and then you got guys that you know make sure they're flexible and. And like to practice all day. So it's all different, but it's all work. And it's all, you know, there's too many, there's too many 21, two and three year olds that can really play now that can still practice a whole lot and not hurt themselves like my old ass. But, um, yeah, there's the formula is still the same. Your fundamentals got to be yeah, good and you got to work. And, you know, which goes back to where we started. Yeah. Well, with Dick. Yeah, which goes back to that and what Dick said. Good enough for Hogan's, good enough for about anybody. Good fundamentals and hard work, you know, secrets in the dirt, and it's not really a secret. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Tour Coach with Tony Ruggiero. If you enjoyed this, make sure to hit subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this podcast. You can stay up to date because we have weekly episodes coming your way with fascinating people in the world of golf instruction at the highest level. Make sure to subscribe and stay tuned. If you want to learn more about Tony, head over to dosweepersgolf.com to get all the details on what he's up to. Maybe you want to see him, grab a lesson, or go to one of his camps, pick up his book, Lessons from the Legends. You can do that there. If you want to see Tony in action with some videos and other content, head over to golfsciencelab.com slash Tony to get more info there. This episode was powered by the Golf Science Lab and was edited, mixed, and produced by Just Hit Published Productions. The rule of three states, things that come in threes are inherently more appealing than those that don't. With our GMC Yukon, Acadia, and Terrain, we couldn't agree more. Step up to the family-focused Yukon, built for transporting your family across town to school or across the country, or the 2019 GMC Acadia, delivering available third-row seating for up to seven passengers. Need something mighty? Then meet the 2019 GMC Terrain, built with the perfect combination of styling, utility, and efficiency. Three sizes, one GMC. Choose like a pro. Step up to GMC with 16% below MSRP on most 2019 Acadia and Terrain models when you finance through GM Financial. We are professional grade. GMC. Excludes SL models. Includes price reduction below MSRP and purchase allowance. Must finance through GM Financial. Some customers will not qualify. Not available with some other offers. Take retail delivery by 4119. See participating dealer for details. 
there's one thing if you know about me, if you've listened to the Dew Sweepers, you've come to listen to me talk, is you know I'm big on loyalty. We give 100% here at the Dew Sweepers. We put a lot of emotional investment into everything we do with every one of our players. And the same can be said for our partners and the folks that have been with us for the long haul and help the Dew Sweepers, help our juniors, help us get to our tour players. And so I want to give a special thanks to our sponsors. Our sponsors are, first and foremost, Buick and our local Buick dealers here around the Southeast, Shrixon Cleveland Golf, who've been with me for over a dozen years, and their belief and support of what we do here with the Dew Sweepers. And lastly, the folks at Vineyard Vines. The folks at Vineyard Vines love what we do with junior golf. They support us on the road. There isn't a better family or group of people that are going to help us look our best, play our best, and have more fun than the folks at Vineyard Vines. So special thanks to our sponsors. Please support those as you get the opportunity. And for more information about any of those, check us out at dewsweepersgolf.com, or you can always check me out on Instagram at the Dewsweeper.